Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. I am very honored and thrilled to be able to talk to our next guest. The film is called Cruel and Unusual, uh, and the director is Vadim Jean, and he is. this is a story of three men who spent longer in solitary confinement than any other prisoners in, in the U.S., I probably in history, in the history of the U.S. I'm not sure if that's a qualifying statement or not. We'll make sure. Uh, and um, they were convicted, these three men were convicted of killing a prison guard in 1972, uh, and these three men, Robert King, Herman Wallace, and Albert Woodfox, spent an incredible, uh, as one example, uh, Albert spent 43 years in solitary confinement. It's just this, it, it's hard to believe that something like this happened in the United States and that uh, this isn't the, you know, the 16th century or something. But I want to uh, introduce uh Vadim Jean, uh, to to our audience, uh, as I said, the director of this documentary, Cruel and Unusual. Vadim, so much, uh, thank you so much for coming to uh, join us here on Film School. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Um, again, as I alluded to uh, off mic, uh, this is a story I had heard uh, bits and pieces of for a, for a long time, and it was hard to believe then. And watching your after watching your documentary, it's even harder to believe that this is something that happened. Um, tell me a little bit about your introduction to the story of Robert King, Herman Wallace, and Albert Wood Fox. Um, I was great friends with um, a lady called Anita Roddick. Anita Roddick was the founder of the Body Shop Stores, um, which are all over the world now. Um, and she and her incredible hu- husband, uh, Gordon Roddick, had heard about uh, their case um, when they were traveling to America. And from 2001, just after Robert, the third member of the Angola Three, had been released from prison, um, they met him, and they decided to uh, back back their case. And I was friends with Anita, so I knew about the case from her mm-hmm. and a young lawyer from Santa Barbara um, who I met through them. But I didn't think I could do anything. And then very tragically in 2007, Anita passed away, and there was an amazing memorial for her right in the heart of right next to Westminster Abbey in London, and 3,000 people were there. And mm. Robert King came and stood on stage, and he, he, was, uh, he spoke very eloquently, but he also played two telephone messages from Herman and Albert in their solitary cells, in, uh, from their solitary cells in Angola, Louisiana State Penitentiary. And uh, it was their um, tribute, really, their, their own, uh, if you like, their, um, their own um, tribute to what Anita had done for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole theme of the evening was just do something. That was Anita's big thing. She didn't, she didn't care why you did something, uh, but that you, you know what your motives were or anything, you know. But just do something was the was her mantra. And so I uh, I left that memorial, and as I walked walked away from it with a, a friend who actually was the head of a broadcaster in the UK, I said, I think Anita would want me to make the film about the Angola Three, and um, wow. so that's what I did. And uh, eight eight years later. Yeah. Uh, at times, I didn't think we'd get the ending that we that we have um, with Albert's release, but uh, the story is complete. 
Yeah, it is. Let's get a little bit into the sort of the backstory and uh, of each one of these men was um, for, a, and you'll probably just do a better job of describing it. But these were mm-hmm. men that African Americans living in a, a desperately poor part of Louisiana, which is desperately poor anyway, most of it. And I don't think I'm being painting with too broad a brush, but most of Louisiana is not an affluent area. But certainly for African American men. It is particularly difficult. Tell us a little bit about uh, that sort of the the ambiance of their story and why they ended up in Angola to start with. Well, I think Robert in the film very eloquently, you know, just yeah. says you know, growing up in the fifties in Louisiana, and he says, you know, the film the fifties are often portrayed as kind of a golden age. He says they, they weren't golden to me; they were brown tinged, mm-hmm. and I think that sort of summed it up really. Yeah. You know, they these were guys who ended up as petty criminals, you know, out of poverty, as you say. And they they ended up caught up in that terrible, vicious cycle of, you know, not enough money, uh, yeah. not enough to eat even, and uh, they ended up, do, you know, doing petty crime, which meant that they were in the criminal justice system, and uh, they ended up getting sentences for, um, uh, I think, various robberies and things. Yeah. And as you know, as Robert said, we weren't any angels, but they ended up with, I think, what we would regard certainly in Europe as incredibly harsh sentences. I think in Robert's case, thirty-five years yeah. for robbing a convenience store. And uh, but in prison, they they basically came into contact with and um, became politicized and became members of the Black Panther Party. Yeah. But I think it was a tough time to be a young African American uh, in Louisiana and. You know, we all know the statistics of the numbers of young black men who spend some time, uh, even today, in American prisons. And, of course, Louisiana has the, has the highest per capita incarceration in the world, and New Orleans has the highest per capita incarceration in Louisiana. So they were basically brought up as poor young men in the place where there's more incarceration per head than anywhere in the world. Jesus. We're speaking with uh, Vadim Jean, and he is the director of the film uh, Cruel and Unusual. It's a story of these three men and their insanely horrible saga of about these men spending decades in solitary confinement for a crime that they were convicted of while in Angola, one of the most notorious prisons in the United States. In the United States, by the way, statistically speaking, just so we know and understand what we're talking about here, is I think... Uh, 10 or 8 percent of the world's population and 25 percent of the world's prison population. And we incarcerate people at a rate higher than any other country in the world. We have over two, almost three million people currently in prison. And it is hard to not see, especially in the era in which these uh, men uh, uh, grew up, as (coughs) little more than an extension of uh, slavery. I just, I mean, I don't know other way to put yeah. it. This was, this was syst- systemic uh, uh, incarceration on a scale to which uh, I don't know that uh, we'll ever recover from, or at least not for many generations, if at all. So let, they get in, they become, these three men become members of the Black Panther Party. So tell us a little bit about that story. Well, Angola, Angola at the time was the bloodiest prison in America, yeah. headlines to that effect. You know, there were inmate guards with shotguns. There weren't enough, you know, non-inmate guards to to, to look after the population. Yeah. There were daily stabbings. Uh, 
was the, the fresh fish, as they called the new prisoners arriving, would be handed over to older prisoners who'd been there longer, in collusion with prison guards, that meant there was sexual slavery going on within the prison. Angola itself was called Angola because the prisons, because the, the, the prisoners, the, sorry, because it was built on an old slave plantation where the, the slaves came largely from Angola in Africa. And, you know, it, you make that parallel that, in a way, it was still a slave plantation yeah. turned into a prison, effectively, in, at the time, in the early 70s, that, that they were there. And as the bloodiest prison in America, it meant that there was all, that, all those problems meant that the, the rights of the prisoners, the conditions were terrible. And you, from the basis of their, their black beliefs as, as Black Panthers, um, they started to try and get better conditions for the other, themselves and other prisoners, for the whole prison population down there, just basic things. So, for example, um, the, the food they were given would be left outside their cells on the floor, um, whole tiers of, of cells where the, there were no slots in the, the, the doors so they would have to get down on their hands and knees, God. put their hands through the, the bars, and eat their food on the, effectively with the food outside the cell, on their hands and knees. Oh. And they went. The, the Angola Three went on hunger strike to, to uh, 40 days, I think, just to get the prisoner, the prisoner authorities, to cut a slot, so that they could uh, not have to eat like animals on their hands and knees. That was the kind of things that they were fighting for. And it came from their belief, you know, it, the beliefs that they had and the, uh, the, the political, um, if, if you like, political motivations that they had from being Black Panthers. And by the way, if you look at the, the Panthers program, the 10-point program, I think it's called, mm -hmm. today, and it looks like a very reasonable set of, uh, very reasonable set of demands that, that would not seem radical, I don't think, yeah. uh, in this day and age. And so they fought for that. They fought against the, the sexual slavery that was going on. And they then became labeled black militants, yeah. troublemakers. And I don't think the prison were used to black men refusing to uh, stay down. Um, and I think ultimately that was why when this prison guard was tragically murdered, uh, they were targeted uh, in a terrible Rush to judgment. Yeah, well, I I want people to see this film because I want them to understand at least the backstory as as we've described it so far. Tell me, you you're playing in Los Angeles, so you're here. For yes, we just we, yeah, yeah. we just played for a week in New York, yeah. our last day today, and then we're playing this whole week at the the um, the Monica Lemley right. um, down in Santa Monica for a week, um, which. Is, is a small cinema release as a, as, a, as a start. And then we have a distributor called Film Rise who will take the film out in all the other mediums, you know, I think, you know, digital download and DVD and, mm -hmm. and so on a bit later in the year. Mm -hmm. um, but we have, to, we have to do this cinema release as well to, to qualify for the uh, Academy okay. Awards. Yeah, and, that, that, yeah. Uh, and I, I found you, uh, I mean, I saw that it was going to open here and I... I I had a little bit of a difficult time getting to your you, the production company is Mob Film, yeah, and uh, that's how I sort of connected with you on this. Um, and I, I really urge people to see this film because 
for people who choose not to understand the the criminal justice system in this country over the last um, half century and not understand how it plays into uh, a a repressive mechanism on African-Americans and people of color, this is obviously an extreme case here, and uh, we, we just—I want to get into this idea of solitary confinement and certainly what these men went through. But people have to understand that this there's there's a context for so much of our what go, was going on in in our society now, and our inability to deal with poverty, with racism, with all these different things that are bringing our country to its knees, and we need to do something about it. And this particular story these men's stories uh are are such a uh, a spotlight on this uh on, the, on how we got here and where we came from i really you you need to see this call cruel and unusual and film rise as you said will be distributing it beyond your theater run here and it's at the monica uh, theater film that's on third street in santa monica it's a terrific place to go to see film and as well as you'll be there for a Q and A. What which which yeah. uh, which of uh, the screenings will you be there for? Um, the, the one this evening, um, and uh, Robert King and Albert Woodfox will be there too. Oh my and God! They are, yeah, they are the two two of the most remarkable people you will ever meet. Um, you know, Albert was released after forty three years in solitary on his birthday last February, oh. and uh, m- uh, more wisdom, uh, grace. Dignity and uh, um, well. wisdom, I don't think you'll find in a man. He, uh, and Robert, too, spent the last 16 years since his release uh, unfailingly committed to and traveling the world to see the release of his, of his, uh, of his comrades. <sighs> so, yeah, they're remarkable, remarkable men. Just, just for people who didn't quite grasp what you just said in the sense that these men, I believe Robert spent, was it 29 years? 29. 29 years in solitary. Herman Wallace spent 36 years, and Albert... Uh, 40, Wood- no, 41, actually. Herman oh, was 40, oh, uh, 40, 41. 41, and Albert Woodfox spent... 43. 43. It's, in a six-foot-by-nine-foot box. It's un- unfathomable. <laughs> it's, un- it's unbelievable that these men spent that amount of time I, uh, in a box, in a six-by-nine... Okay, people listening to me, imagine take two steps one direction and take three steps in another direction and yeah, imagine that that it. was your life for 43 years. For something you didn't do. For something you did not do. And and the amazing character of these men to not succumb to an easier way yeah. out is unbelievable. Yeah. It, it, this story needs everyone in America should at least know this story. Whether or not they sympathize, empathize, agree, disagree, everyone has to know this is what we're capable of doing to people, and 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 not really caring. And if there's a villain in the film, I think well, there there are lots. The system is a villain. This ra- racism is a villain. But he, but Bobby Caldwell, the former. Attorney General, of the state of Louisiana is the the embodiment of what we're talking about here. Unbelievable. I mean, 
So, do you want to get into Bobby? I don't know if we have time, actually. Buddy, but, well, Buddy, it's, it's, it's Buddy. Even more oh, Buddy, I'm sorry. I said Buddy. Uh, yeah, well. yeah, Buddy. I'm um, sorry, Buddy. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. I, would, I, wouldn't want, I wouldn't want a, a, yeah, a, a Bobby, a Bobby Caldwell, Caldwell in, <laughs> in Indiana to suddenly be... Yeah, uh, sorry. It's, it's James. I think his name is James uh, Buddy. Yes. Um, so, I think his nickname Caldwell. He was the Attorney General yeah. of Louisiana until... Excuse me. <clears throat> until uh, last year when uh, when he... Uh, lost his election, and right. Uh, right. him him ceasing to be the Attorney General of Louisiana was a major factor in Albert's release because this was a man who, for unknown reasons, well, really had made well. this case very personal yeah. and, uh, and uh, in a very strange and bizarre way. Um, but I, he's he's gone back to um, doing being the Elvis impersonator that he was in his spare time when he was Attorney General. Oh, is that right? um, so. I, I mean, but it's it's it, uh, it. You're right that the system. I think the system is is the bad guy personified by him, because Albert's conviction was overturned three times. Yes, and every time it was overturned, the state uh, appealed the appeal uh, over and over and over again until finally they could they could they could not do that. But they dragged it out as long as they possibly could taking every conceivable opportunity to try and keep these old, innocent guys in prison. And ultimately, they killed Herman Wallace yeah. uh, by... Yeah. Uh, neglect uh, as well. By neglect, really. Yeah. And uh, although, thanks to an incredible judge, Judge James Brady uh, in Louisiana, um, who, who's overturned Albert's conviction and ordered him released immediately, uh, Herman's conviction and ordered him released immediately, uh, no, she was a different judge. I apologize. Okay. But, uh, yeah. The judge that, that ordered Herman's release meant at least Herman Herman uh, uh, died a free man. Yeah. Well, um, I, I I apologize to Bobby Caldwell uh, for any, <laughs> any out there, but uh, I and anyway, see this film, um, uh, Vadim. How if people, Radim, sorry, if people want to. Uh, see or find out more about the film. I, want, I just want to make sure I, I'm sending them to a good website. Yeah. I think it's cruelunusualmovie.com. Yeah, but if you it. put um, cruel unusual film or cruel unusual movie um, into your browser, um, I'm pretty sure it will come. Yeah. It, it'll take you straight to the website. So there's information there. And um, as I say, you know, if you're if you're living in Los Angeles, which I guess a lot of your audience are. Yes. Um, then. Um, See you tonight. At the it would Monica. be great to, yeah. to see it this week at the Lemony. Monica Film Center tonight. That's uh, and I assume it's like a seven thirty, seven ten, seven, seven o'clock, seven o'clock. Yeah. Uh, and it's see this film. Thank you so much. Uh, again, uh, the the film is called Cruel and Unusual, and the director is Vadim Jean. And I thank you so much. And please come back again. I I, I look forward to any of the future work from you. And uh, thank you for for making this film. Oh, a pleasure, and thank you for your your, your passionate advocacy of it and uh, your great questions. Thank you. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.